What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode, we're back with another tribute. This time, it is 25 years for the Fuji's sophomore album, The Score, released February 13th, 1996. 25 years. Can you believe it? Yeah, that's wild, man. I, I, I feel really old when you say that. <laughs> And uh, to help celebrate this momentous occasion, we have brought back our one of our favorite guests again. Welcome back again to the show, Panama Jackson. Say what's up. What's going on, everybody? Glad to be here, uh, especially to talk about one of my favorite albums that I hear much differently now as a uh, 41-year-old than I did as a 17-year-old. I do 16 too, actually. 17-year-old. It's interesting listening to this album with 20, with uh, 2021 ears. I agree with that sentiment and of course we're going to unpack that a little later as we you know dis- discuss the album um but of course you know this this album almost prompted another one of our text debates <laughs> um and then yinko was like yo uh why don't we just save it for an episode Pan- panama come feature and he's like as always got to come back to the show so here we are again the three of us going to discuss an album which i think we all love but i i get this sense especially from panama that this is this is also an album that you love debating. Yes, no. I love talking about it. Debating ends de- depends on okay. who I end up talking to about it. Fair, fair, fair. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, well, I guess we should all just start it off with uh, with the where were you? So, Yinka, uh, why don't you start us off? Where were you? Man, where was I when I first heard this album? Um, I have to start with "Killing Me Softly." Uh, Panama is probably gonna cringe, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, I'm I'm living in Southern California. Uh, I'm in middle school. Uh, Killing Me Softly becomes this ubiquitous record that's just everywhere. And you know, well, I'm what? How old am I? I'm 12. So, that you know, I, I I don't know who Roberta Flack is first and foremost. You know, right. I probably heard the song on the uh, the the Quiet Storm at some point in my parents' car or something like that. But you know, really wasn't familiar with the background. So. That record just becomes the record. I, I'm not familiar with Benita Applebaum yet. I'm not familiar with Roberta Flack killing me softly. So, you know, this to me is a is a brand new and unique piece of music by a new group that is amazing. I hear it everywhere. I love it every single time I hear it. Um, and so that was the first record that I heard. Um, I'm, you know, it's around the time frame when I'm really getting into to music or I'm starting to get into music. And so um i remember that dropped and then i heard ready or not and that was like okay you know you you hear two songs that are amazing by the same group it's like okay this is already this is my favorite group now like i want to hear everything from them so i wasn't familiar with nappy heads and you know vocab and those other records prior to to hearing uh those two records um i believe i bought one of those two singles either um the 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 uh, Killing Me Softly single or the um, Ready or Not single. And okay. then, you know, loved it and then went and bought the album. So at that point was when I heard the album. Where were you? All right. Well, first of all, it's interesting that Killing Me Softly was the first record that you heard. Because yep. Fuji La, I believe, was their first single. Yep, yep. It, it was, but, it you know, I mean, and it's so funny because I have a whole take about how, and we can talk about this later when we talk about the body of the album, but how when you listen to the album... You can tell that they were aware of Wu-Tang. 
And to some degree, some of the skits made me feel like they were making fun of Wu Tang. But that's a yes. that's a that's a take. So yeah. um, you know, this is true. Fuji Fuji Lob <laughs> de- definitely has in terms of production. Salam, it feels like, was influenced by the sound that RZA was making for the Wu-Tang, right? And mm-hmm. so that whole chamber of hip-hop, I was not aware of yet. And so it was more the glossy mainstream shit that was going to find me at the age of 12 when, you know. So so I had no idea Fuji La was even out. Uh, Killing Me Softly was the first thing I heard. Okay. Well, for me, when this first when this album first came out, I don't necessarily remember the specifics. I don't remember which one I heard first. Okay. Um, what I can say is that between this album and Busta Rhymes, The Coming, these are my first two favorite hip hop albums. So I think before this, I was still listening to pretty much whatever was on the radio. Right. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really know what I was listening to. And even when this came around, I didn't really know what I was listening to. I right. just know that I really, really liked this album a lot and of course you know after this you know i still end up getting into will smith i still end up getting into fucking <laughs> heavy d and the boys or whatever just okay whatever fucking bullshit whatever like yo no diss to heavy d we love you i know i know i know i know but nevertheless <laughs> right um ironically i don't get into tupac i don't get into biggie you know what i mean like yes it's on the radio and it was and it was big but like i didn't buy those albums i just wasn't into that Okay. You know, but this album I was definitely into. And then, you know, obviously I, could, I hit my Wu-Tang phase, I guess, I don't know, a year and a half later. Okay. Um, but I just, yeah, I just remember I, I definitely bought this album. And yeah, I listened to it all the time. I had it, I had between this and the Busta Rhymes, the coming, I had, I had it on repeat all the time. So I don't really have many personal anecdotes in terms of like the songs that I heard and, and what they made me feel. I just know that this is the first hip-hop album i really really connected to so uh panama where were you yeah so i have much more personal touches to this album because this album comes out when i'm a junior in high school so i'm 17 i think 16 or 17 when this album comes out i think i turn i turn 17 the year this comes out so i'm 16 when this comes out which means i'm driving uh I'm already aware of the Fugees because of Nappy Heads. The right. and not the not the really bad version, the original version on the Blunted on Reality album, but the remix, the Salam Remy remix. Right. Salam Remy remix, which is amazing. Which is an right. amazing song. But mostly because because of the video. So this is the time when, you know, most of these songs I was introduced to via Rap City or whatever. And I remember recognizing Lauren Hill from Sister Act 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. I mm-hmm. see the the nappy heads videos like, yo, that's 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 the girl from from Sister Act Two. Right. <clears throat> so immediately, I'm invested because I love Sister Act Two. But what I remember most about them was how like Dasa Fexy they were, especially <laughs> Praz and Wyclef, like very animated yeah. in the right. saying absolutely nothing, but doing it in real fun ways, whatever. But Lauren stood out. <laughs> vocab on the other hand was like that's the joint where lauren was like that's the precursor to the score lauren right like she comes in with the one two three the bdp joint you know she kind of sets the joint off she spit about mogadishu and all kinds of stuff you know i'm like she's riding the beat insanely because i think like on nappy head she sounded a little bit like buckshot from black moon to me but on vocab she sounds like lauren like the beginnings of lauren as Mm -hmm. like a spitter 
Right. So by the time this album dropped, I think, you know, Fuji Law is the first single, comes out before the album. Obviously, this is back when the when right. singles dropped, like months before albums dropped. Uh, years before. I mean, yeah. I think it came out like a half a year before the album came out. Yeah, I think out. I want to say, yeah, this definitely, Fuji, Fuji Law came out in 95, sometimes towards yeah. the end of 95. And yeah. that video was like, yo, what the fuck? One, who is this? This Lauren is grown up. Like, she's, you know, oil down legs. Like, she's like, she's sexy. <laughs> she's attractive. You know, you almost don't even notice Wyclef and Prize, or they're easy to lose in the who? mix of all of it, which, who? Bingo. Bingo, which <laughs> becomes kind of where I land on this album as we get more into it. But mm. so I'm in high school. This album takes off like it did all over the nation. Like everybody, mm. and I'm in Huntsville, uh, Madison, Alabama at the time. Mm. Killing Me Softly. I have my feelings about that, but that's the song that everybody sings along <laughs> to whenever they hear. Yeah. Like all the women, all the girls yes. go in for it whenever that la la la. Like it's yeah. just. I'll be singing that shit too, y'all. Man. I love when you you're know, DJing and you just you just cut. You can just shit cut out. the, the fader. Yeah, just drop just the fader. Just go for crowd, it. Yeah, just yo. sing it. Right, like you know, "Ready or Not" was like an anthem song. That yes. joint went hard. By, the drums are so hard on that song. Yeah, the, the drums video was crazy. crazy the Enya sample song. was crazy. Dude, everything about that joint. I, I remember when I first heard it. So this is the beginning of my um, personal A and R days because the first time I heard this album, I told my boys, "Yo, that song right there is out of here." That ready or not is out of here. There's no way it's not. But that's how I felt too. Everything on this album was just it just knocked. It was like mm. a quintessential hip hop album. Everything you wanted, you had. You know, it sounded good. You had Lauren spitting like like yeah. like she was going for broke every single time. But it was so easy. It was how we view. Andre 3000 a lot of time like he just does it because yeah. it's just what he does you know what I'm saying right and um yeah I remember being in the car like driving blasting this album which is interesting because I'm down south at this time and we're not this is not a time when like New York that whole east coast west coast thing uh, is happening around this time I'm in mm. the south we're obviously more west coast leaning than we are east coast leaning in general but this is an album that kind of defied borders. It was just a yeah. good record. Lauren obviously is the reason why everybody could love Lauren Hill. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so this was just, I was in high school loving this album. It never, since then, since, since it drops in 96, it's always been an album that I've enjoyed and loved. And, you know, as we get more into it, and that's largely because of Lauren, obviously, but it just got bangers on it. And and these songs, they're still good today. They still sound good today to me. So when we talk about the songs that still sound good, that's a good transition to just talk about the critical reception. And uh, I mean, we could talk about it from our peers and also, you know, just a critical acclaim in general. I mean, this song was, this album was just lauded, was it not? I mean, oh, I think it's one of the highest selling hip hop albums to date. Largely yep. because of the song that Panama does not like. Um, which is killing me softly, we'll just to be it. clear, right? Just so, you know, because there's probably going to be jokes about this all along till we get there. But is this a, is this a five mic album? It's got, it has to be, right? No, hmm. I don't think it got five mics in the what? source. It, it should have gotten a retrospective five mics. Here's, that I could see. But here, here's why I would be surprised if it did. Maybe it did, but I'd be very surprised. Um, it's, not, it's not on the wiki, sadly. Yeah, I'd be 
So upon its release, the score received critical acclaim, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the source rating for this was, but I'd be very surprised if it was a five mic album. Only because this joint blew almost out of nowhere. Like, I don't think anybody involved in this record thought it was going to become what it did. And most of this is on the Maybe. back of Killing Me Softly, right? Like, Killing Me Softly took this into a whole different stratosphere. If this song isn't on the album, it's definitely, it's not the album that we think of it today in terms of its uh, critical, I mean, commercial success. Critically, I think it's still mm -hmm. good, but right. um, but everybody I know loved it. I don't know anybody that doesn't like this album. Now, the degrees to which people like it are different, mm -hmm. but it's hard not to like it or not to enjoy it, especially if you heard it in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I heard it in the 90s. It's one of the albums that I continue to revisit. Um, even after I stopped revisiting The Coming, I can't remember the last time I heard it. It's probably been like 15 years now since I've heard The Coming. But even since that time, I still have gone back to revisit this album. Um, I, I heard it not too long ago, maybe like three or four years ago, something like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really have anything else to add to your, to your sentiments. Only that, The only thing I will add, I think, is that you, you mentioned that it was... Uh, it was a, a very good hip hop album, but I actually think it was more than a hip hop album. And we can talk about that as well later. That's fair. I, the one thing I'll add about the critical slash peer reception that I found interesting um, is just the journey that, you know, that they took to the level of success that we're talking about. Because I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, history can be a bit revisionist, right? And so we talk about this album. It's it's an undisputable classic. Everybody will say it's a classic and everybody will say that they love it. Uh, but, you know, uh, one of the ones, I'll, I'll start I'll start song for song, right? So we talked, we, we all talked about um, how much we love Ready, to Re Ready or Not. Ready or Not is probably my favorite song on the album, which is, is an unpopular take, but that's my take. Um, and when I heard it, I liked it more than Killing Me Softly, even though Killing Me Softly was the big record. And I remember it not, not topping the charts in America. And I remember that it had it, it, it topped the charts in the UK. And then they kind of came back and gave it an additional marketing push in America as a result of, of the success that it was having overseas, maybe because of the Enya sample. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I think that that kind of takes it back to the, the the entire album, right? So they 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 put out their first album, uh, it bombs, right? The label is thinking about dropping them, uh, and apparently, according to to um, Salam Remy, you know he they make they make Fuji La, and Fuji La gets them greenlit to even make this album, right? Right. And so you know he 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 calls that that song the the nucleus of this album, right? Like they kind of made the album around, around it, yeah. that particular <clears throat> song. And so, you know, they make Fuji La and then Fuji La gets them greenlit for an album and then they put Fuji La out. And and it's it's cool, people like it, but it's not killing me softly, right? And so right. now Killing Me Softly pushes it over to where it's like, okay, this is gonna be a diamond album. And then now everybody's like, Oh, we love we love Wyclef, we love Proz, we love Lauren Hill, they're our favorite artists. Whatever, Nobody whatever, has like. said the words I love Proz. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Never been uttered. We That's, needed fair. That That's fair. That's fair. But other than other than that, and that's we're gonna have a lot of prize jokes. So I'm just warning everybody that there's gonna be a oh, lot of prize jokes are gonna be present and accounted for. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's just that it, that's interesting about the 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 critical reception is that it was a slow build, right? Like it wasn't like mm -hmm. oh the Fujis they, they they just came out they're the greatest they're Zion right? Like it was like 
eventually, yeah. like, similar to what you were saying about seeing them, their growth on their first couple records, it took a while to get the score what it is in terms of how it's remembered. I got you. Well, so we start with the highlights or lowlights? Lowlights are going to be brief, so why don't we go lowlights? Go ahead. Let's uh, let's go with the lowlights. Um, Panama, why don't we just start it with you? Yeah. <laughs> All we right, know where so, he's going. <laughs> well, I, I, I have, well, Proz is an obvious lowlight because Proz, Proz is, is a really bad rapper. And yeah, yeah, he, he's bad. it's like he he's knows bad. he's not a good rapper, but he also puts forth an effort yeah. by trying to spit like his flow on how many mics is so offensive. <laughs> the way he opens up that song, like I get mad every time I hear it. You know what I mean? Like I get pro- mad so- frustrated when I uh, rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, quick, quick side, quick tangent, uh, side debate, a sidebar. Okay. Who is worse? Praz for Fuji's or Yugar for Wu Tang? I'm gonna go prize. I don't have an immediate answer for that is very telling. <laughs> I'm gonna go prize, and here's the reason. I think I might go prize as well. Be- because you because has I can listen some... to a whole Wu Tang album, and I might have to hear you got twice, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Plus, I can't, you got has had to... some. <laughs> you got has had some positive contributions, but I do appreciate Panama's answer. The fact that he doesn't know which one is immediately worse. All right, but I anyway, tell you what. So... Wait, before, before we skip that that topic. <laughs> I don't know if Panama's familiar with this uh, outlaw. You're probably not, but Yo, I, y'all was... can't see it. Panama has a look on his face as if he's still trying to figure out who it's worse. Genuinely trying to figure answer this question. I really, I, this you have stumped me. So, so during the blog era where we were, you know, we were feverishly hitting Not Right and Datpiff and all these places and trying to download these albums, somebody had created a version of the score that had omitted all of the prize verses. And it was it was perfectly done. Like so wow, you, you didn't even man. notice that he was like it was like it was like the, the beats just like perfectly synced. It didn't feel like it skipped. Doc, that joint must have done a million just off the strength. Like I have a funny take around that, like a, a hot take around that that surprised me when I came up with it. But it was that look, I we're talking low lights. Proz is a low light. Wyclef right. is almost a low light, but Wyclef is essential mm. to the building of this album. Like Wyclef lyrically is not very good. Yes. Now, when he has a good verse, like his second verse on Zealots is actually a good verse because he's talking about something. He's not just saying yes. words and rhyming them and whatever. Um, That's the one joint that I feel like Wyclef like, t- like takes it where I'm like, okay, but, I get it. But his first verse is about absolutely nothing. Yes. The, the, his second verse on there, which is the only reason I'm not mad there's a second verse on Zealous from Wyclef, is because he's talking about literally the critical reception of the group, right? He's actually addressing issues that they've had regarding how people view the group. You know, the magazine says the girl should have went solo. Guys should stop right, rapping. Right. Vanished like... It's like, okay, we're getting something as opposed to the nonsensical bullshit. But yeah. my take is, even though I think Wyclef and Praz are both... Why Proz is trash. Wyclef mm-hmm. is pretty bad on this album. I agree. This album does not work without the two of them surrounding Lauren. Because for mm. some reason, the way they sound together actually works really well. Like like tonally. This is true. I'd be very I don't know that a full like if this was a whole Lauren album by herself, if it would have mm. been able to live. Her verses stand stand out so much more because she's sandwiched by garbage. So she sounds even better. <laughs> 
and she like brings every song home because of how good she sounds on it next to I don't dig Van Dyke. You I, know, like you just. I, I, <laughs> I agree. I think the tonal contrast is a is a big thing, and I think if I do have to 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 say something to defend Praz, I actually like Praz's voice, and I feel like his, his sonically, <clears throat> like like where he fits. If you think about it from the perspective of how RZA says he thinks of everybody in the group as as an instrument, like his vo- voice as an instrument is actually dope. He just is a terrible rapper. He's just bad. At I it. didn't I didn't know that Praswell was bad. For a while, because of exactly what you're talking about, yeah. right? Because vocally, tonally, he does fit on this album. Yeah, it I'm not even sure he's. It wasn't until bad. I started writing. He's just bad in general, but in the '90s, he's probably oh my right God. below the middle. Like he's not even the worst <laughs> of the '90s. He's probably because he's 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 not rapping about anything, but he's like he's like largely animated and he's just presence. You know what I mean? Like he's a presence. That yeah. you hear and you feel. That's why Ghetto Superstar works because right. he, he's not good, but he's enough yeah. of a presence where his because his voice is so heavy and distinct that he actually fits on all these songs well, like as an instrument. I, I almost wish that Praz was like, like more of like a hype man, like he just kind of did ad libs, hmm. and then John Forte was an actual group member. Oh my god, I actually John think Forte John is so Forte good. Is, I, right, I think John. I Forte bought Poli Sci. I bought I Poli Sci. I, I have that too. album. Loved yeah, it. And it's not bad. Yeah, I, I really like that record jail. with uh with DMX. Yeah, but um, the, the only other low light that I think I have, I don't like "Killing Me Softly." I do not like this song. <laughs> I cannot call this song a low light. So that, that I, I can't do. I mean, it, this is the song that took this album from the Fuji, you know, hip hop group to one of the biggest pop groups in the world in '96, right. Grammy winning group, whatever. I just don't like it. I think it's overrated. So I don't know if it's mm-hmm. a low like I just think it's overrated as music because of how and this is kind of for the album as a whole. This is such a simply produced album. It just mm-hmm. happens to be the best use of very simple samples. Right. Like almost ever. Like he just there's yeah. not a lot to this as a as a as a part of production. It's the it's the paint by numbers drum drum samples. And it's a couple two and four bar loops that pretty much body this whole album and then recreating um, No Woman No Cry. You know what I mean? Like there's not. Right. It's almost like you went to you went to Jersey to like a music resource room. Right. And you 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 lock some kids in a room and you said, here's here's a month. Just listen to Tribe Called Quest and Wu-Tang and then come out and make me an album that sounds like what you heard. Like that's what this album is to me. When what I will say is this. there's a reason why this group is more successful than Diggable Planets, right? Because this is the same setup as Diggable Planets, right? You got a producer, you have um, two guys and a woman who's rapping, and it's because Digg- this now this is a hot take. Diggable Planets is one of the most fraudulent hip groups, hip hop groups of all time. <laughs> they are effectively every person who's ever moved to New York from out of New York, who all of a sudden became from Brooklyn after one week. And it was easy to see through wow. that shit, even though Blowout Comb was an amazingly black record, mm-hmm. the group never landed. Meanwhile, this super authentic group of like suburban kids or whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. manages to hit because this does not seem like it's a reach or a stretch. They're not taking themselves too seriously, mm. too much. Like it's just, they're true to themselves. It looks like it. It feels like it. And they had a good budget. 
Um, so I'm a, I'm a I'm a go ahead and, and, and be the asshole. Um, there is nobody in Diggable Planets that has the level of talent that Lauren Hill has. Like it's not it's it, there's nobody that's close. Oh yeah, no, that's to Lauren well, Hill. As Butterfly is a good producer. He's an exceptional producer. Yeah, he's dope. He produced both of those first two albums, and them joints are magnificent productions. Like. That that rebirth, I mean, the um, refutation, reaching, whatever the whatever that oh my, that oh my god, this is such a pretentious '90s hip hop album title. That is a beautifully produced record, but but Lauren I, is a legitimate star, like right, like yeah, like she, she she's she's an excellent rapper with great vocal tone. She can sing. She's beautiful. She <laughs> she's interesting. You know what I mean? Like I mean, there's this like there's not really much you can compare to Lauren. Well, so are there any other lowlights? Do y'all have any any lowlights? I have one song lowlight. I have one as well. Go ahead. It's not Killing Me Softly. Definitely. It's not. Um, it's the score. Really? Huh. That's not what I was going to... I thought wow. you were going to say No Woman, No Cry. That's mine. No. It's not It's not a lowlight to me. I just don't think it's as good as the score. No. Uh, Wait, why is the uh, score Excuse bad? me. It's, it's, not, it's not as good as the uh, as Killing Kill Me Softly. Um, Yo... Even Lauren Hill cannot save this track lyrically. Whoa. All of their lyrics fucking suck on this song. Wow. Literally every fucking bar, except Lauren, Lauren's verses aren't bad, but they're not good. It's clearly her worst verse on the album. Everybody else, including Diamond D, who touts himself as the best producer on the mic <laughs> on this song, drops a fucking whack ass verse. Hippity hoppity, rappity rappity. Yeah, that shit is fucking garbage. It's a waste. Of a good beat. So I, t I took this as, and you know, pardon, but I took this as their, we didn't get a primo beat, so let's try to see if we can get Pete Rock or Diamond D. Oh, we got Diamond D, cool. All right, let's do some hippity hoppity shit over our song that's going to give us cred in the in the, in the 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 backpack community. Like, that that's what I got from the song, and I felt like it served its purpose. The beat is dope. The songs are, or the, the verses are fine to me. Like, uh, it's fine to me. It's not my no, favorite song. No, the verses song. are not fine. The, the verses are whack. Do you think um, the verses are whack? No, I absolutely no. I've never thought of them as whack. I've never even considered them as whack until then. But that has an asterisk on it because there's a almost by definition, Wyclef and Pras deliver whack verses. <laughs> That's fair. So consistently, why? I mean, Lauren it's is the Lauren wild card here. Lauren is the wild yeah. card here, and I didn't. I never thought of her verse as whack, even though I recognize it's, it's nowhere near the best. It's not one that of her it's whack. Verses. It's her weakest on the album. That's fair. It is that her I, weakest on I the can, album. Thus, I can, I can run with thus yeah. now I'm paying attention to everybody else, and I'm like, wow. But I tell you what, <laughs> wow. I really like this beat. It's though. a good beat, though. The beat is yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, it is a good beat. That's why I was surprised yeah. you said because that that beat is really oh, good. Oh, beat is beat is tough. Yeah. I just the verses are whack, so, so that's just a low light. So my my low light is obviously no woman no cry. Um, and you know I I, I think you, you both knew somebody was gonna say it. Um, I personally have always hated um Wyclef's Bob Marley uh, impression, and he does it a mm. lot, and it's really shitty. And it really makes me mad every time he does it, whether it's someone please call 911 or whatever the fuck he's doing. I hate it every single time. I hate it on this song. And I can't I can't listen to this song. I've never listened to more than 30 seconds of this song ever in my life. That's fair. It was a highlight for me back in the day. It's oh, definitely wow. not a highlight for me now. Had um, you heard the Bob Marley version? No. So here, so here for the, for the longest time, I actually enjoyed this version more because this was the first version I had heard. Okay. And I do like the, you know, uh, um, musically, I'm a child of the 90s, right? So like mm -hmm. the hip hop drums, this song has a hip hop drum. So for me, and it's got the callback, you know, the call and response. Oh, 
ah oh ah right so like oh okay like this is cool and then i don't know when it happened but at some point you know in that 25 year period since this album came out i started to grow into my senses Mm-hmm. and realize that this song is not nearly as good as yeah. Bob Marley's uh, No Woman No Cry. Oh yeah, like not, this song is all. bad in comparison to that. It's, it's bad in comparison to that. Yeah. So is it a low light for me? Mm-hmm. I will say of all the songs that I was tempted to skip when I was listening to this <laughs> uh, in this recent cycle, it probably was No Woman No Cry, even more so yeah. than the score. I think the reason why I didn't skip the score is because one, the beat is good, but I also wanted to verify just how bad the <laughs> verses are on that track because they're not good. Go back and listen to it. I'm going to have to go back and listen because I'm. Yeah. I, it never dawned on me that they were that bad. Oh, they're I, bad. I think they're my bad. explanation is is the exact same as Panama's, and I think that was that was spot on, right? Like every time I listen to a song here, I'm waiting for Lauren's verse because Wyclef is barely going to keep my attention and Proz is going to be whack. So I'm waiting to hear Lauren. And then after I hear Lauren, it's like I just exhale and it's just I just listen to the beat. Right. So so, you know, a song that that you tell me the verses are whack and it's a Fuji song. Like you're really just telling me that Lauren's verse is whack. So I'm going to go back and listen to Lauren's verse. But my assumption is the other two's verses are whack, too, because they're whack on most. songs. And Diamond D is also (laughs) is also whack. Um, He's okay. (laughs) <laughs> should we get into uh, should we get into highlights then? Yeah, man. Look, I, I want to start. I want to start off with the highlights because you guys have been like popping shots at this dude. Wyclef to me is a highlight on this album. Oh, absolutely. Well, production wise, like what he is. The, the reason why Wyclef to me is a highlight is because first of all, it is very clear he is not an MC at all. Um, he just so happens to be making music in a time where hip hop is the medium of people like him, of, of his audience. You know what I mean? I think that Wyclef is born in, in the wrong era. I'm booing your take, bro. I think, I think Wyclef is born. Yo, it is so clear that he understands music. He True. really fucking understands music. And, and even though his lyrics might be whack, the dude has a lot of tricks on this album which make the songs and make his verses very easy to listen to. Oh, I don't think mean? that's like, a fair take because, because for somebody who doesn't give Kanye West a pass, to say that someone is just a musician and, and their lyrics don't matter because this is just their medium, it's not fair to then criticize somebody like Kanye who no, half the time doesn't a even write the stuff that he says. There's a difference. But there's a, a difference. Musician. First of all, I have always acknowledged that Kanye has tricks. For me personally, um, I think Kanye has one of the worst voices, aside from these troll rappers, right? Of people who actually, of artists that we actually take seriously, at least the people in this circle. So Panama, Yinka, and I. Uh, in terms of hip hop vocalists that we take seriously, even though Kanye does not write his lyrics, we still take him seriously. Um, Kanye has one of the worst voices I've ever heard. That's for me. Wyclef's singing voice isn't good, but Wyclef does not have a bad like vocal voice. Like he doesn't have a bad voice to me. The other thing, too, is that nobody has ever touted Wyclef as one of the greatest of all time. No one has ever said, oh, because I missed the old Wyclef. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but pe- but I'm constantly um, um, bombarded with people telling me just how great Kanye West is. You, ca- you guys can all go fuck yourselves. Like, I'm sick of it. It's the same. Yo, 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 Panama, you understand this, right? When people overrate something to you and overhype yes. something to you, right? You yeah. fight back. 
That's what I'm. That's I tend what to I swing do with the other Kanye. Way. Sometimes I'm wrong. Yes, I tend that's to what I do way. with Kanye. No one's ever done that with Wyclef. So let me. Well, so, let me push so, back so it's on this very a easy bit. for me to defend the fact that I think that he understands music. He has a lot of good tricks on this album. I think he was born in the wrong decade. My I think my, he push, been born my in like the 50s on that and the 60s. is this. I I think Wyclef is a highlight as a producer because this album is yeah. very well produced. Even if I even if I I said that it's a lot of you know. Standard issue drum samples and drum breaks and and finding good samples or whatever. That's still that's a that's a talent in and of itself to actually put yes. them together in a um, way that actually appeals to people. So, yeah. but the other piece is, I love Wyclef's The Carnival album. Absolutely yep. love that album. It is a yep. wonderful. It is as good to me, honest, and I mean this from I genuinely mean it, it is as good as the score. And part of that is it's it. a really good album. Part of that is. Wyclef is actually rapping on topic the whole album. He's not doing all this lunar spaceman, never stop yeah, all this other crap. He's not right. doing that. He you, actually. You don't think he's on, rapping on topic on this album? No. Oh hell he's no! Telling ridiculous stories about nine times out of ten, yeah. No. T- taking a shit because of his iron, and he's all over the place on this album. He, he does on okay. the beast. On Zealots, the on the on the beast, the beast. he's in there. Zealous is only yeah, the second the, verse. On the beast, he family, is. Uh, um, family cowboys mask. You don't think so? Manifest? Maybe. I don't know. I, I'll put it this way. It doesn't stand out to me as Wyclef being a strong anything on this album lyrically, right? I agree. When I listen to uh, the Carnival... I don't think he is. I'm even putting him strong in, this, in the Fuji's universe in this album. Like, it's just... Yeah. Even when there's only... The only competition is Proz and Lauren, he still falls short. But right. the Carnival, on the other hand, is... I mean, he ain't... You know, he ain't Pac. He ain't bigger nobody like. But lyrically, it actually works really well. He's on topic. Mm-hmm. He He's on topic for three verses. You know, he's like there in the pocket for the most part on these songs. So I was surprised. when I'm surprised when I go back and listen to the score, how all over the place lyrically it is. But when I go back and listen to Blended on Reality, when he's insanely just making noise sometimes for the sake of it, like DOS effects influenced. <laughs> this is a, this is an improvement, and the carnival is definitely a vast improvement for Wyclef lyrically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I, I but for me, he's a highlight production wise because even if he didn't produce everything, this is Wyclef is clearly the architect of the Fuji's as a body. Um, for musically. me, it's it's not just the beats though. I think as a song maker, as a person who who is conceptualizing a song, it says, "Hey, this that. is the yep. song we're going to put together." That that to me, like I hear Wyclef yeah. in that, and I'm like, "Yo, you did a good job." Here. But see, that to me, that's no, I, that's also being a producer, though. So that's, you know, I, that's why I lump that into that. I agree with that. I will uh, additionally say that while I did think that he was all over the place in terms of as a rapper, I do think that some of the things that he was willing to do in terms of experimenting with his voice gave us a lot of the interesting things, like even like yes. like a Ole yes, and you know the Zelda. He sounds like good on it. Like, yeah, like he he, he does he does amazing. really interesting things with his voice. Um, that make the songs much more interesting and give them more texture. See, and that's my point. He's not an MC. I think he just happens to be using rap as his medium on this album because that's what his audience wants to hear. But I don't. But like he's like, Lauren Hill is clearly an MC. You know what I mean? Oh no! Rod got, the first song is, is how many mics in. The first right. song is how many mics he views himself as an MC back then. He might not now, but back right. then he viewed himself as yeah, a spitter. But, like. They, and he's they, literally yeah, talking not, about whack MCs but, on the album. <laughs> yeah, okay, but they like, do that. Yes, <laughs> they definitely do that. 
maybe but I, I i think there's so many other examples on this album where he's not being an mc like yes he's rapping but he's not being an mc so it, what i think this does yeah. it proves kind of how multifaceted he is for instance no one will cry he's singing and you're like this isn't bad he actually sounds good he might not be bob marley but I, I actually enjoy No Woman No Cry. Now, it's not going to be my highlight or anything like that, but I enjoy it. It's like a perfect um, concert song, right? Like, it's the, it's a perfect break into action. Let's give everybody a break and slow it down and do this kind of thing where everybody's got lighters in the air and stuff like that. Like, he's he's a very multifaceted, multi-instrumentalist. Like, he's an artist. He's a musician. He's an artist. I, I'll grant you that in ways that lots of other people weren't. So I do agree with him being a highlight for those reasons. Um, I do want to yeah. clarify one thing because I hear this a lot and I've heard us say it on the on on this joint. Proz is actually the executive producer of the album, and they yep. say that Proz is actually the architect of the Fuji's sound in terms of bringing hmm. the group together. Well, um, yeah, well, yes, a, yes, uh, they're yeah. all credited as executive producers. No, um, he so got the money. Proz is Proz is is credited as executive producer, and then Lauren and and um. And uh, and Wyclef are the credit as like co-producers or something like That's that. It's just so interesting because well, it's been a while since I've seen any like you know how they made it footage on this album. But like no one ever talks about Proz. They talk about the music musicianship and musicality, whatever of Wyclef. So yo, I would I would invite y'all to to go back to one um, the the Salam Remy. You actually mentioned it in your piece, uh, the Salam Remy uh, Questlove interview. Yep. Um, the Drink Champs uh, interview with Praz. Um, and then there was one other interview that I saw that was interesting because because it's it's interesting to hear these folks that were involved talk about Praz's contribution because it's really easy to shit on him and it's it's really fun because <laughs> um, he's really bad. But, uh, but, uh, but they say that actually like he has a very, very, he has a pop ear. Like he has an ear where he really, really can hear what people are going to love. And so, okay. you know, in a lot of cases, he was kind of, you know, in the same way that RZA would have nine people record on a song and then he would kick five of them off and, and four of them would remain. Like, he's kind of one of those type of producers that's kind of like, this is what's going to work. This is not what's going to work. And, you know, they say that it, it, to some degree, Praz was was responsible for essentially making sure that they did their best Salam Remy impression in, in producing this album. Um, and you know the the big record here, "Killing Me Softly," right? Was was Praz going to Salam <laughs> and going, Salam "Hey, you know, yeah, if I if you were gonna if you were gonna make uh, the Roberta Flack record over again, what would you do?" And he's like, "Oh, I would take that Bonita Applebaum shit and flip it." And then they did that, and it becomes this huge hit, right? So so Praz has this ear that he kind of doesn't get credit for. So I just wanna. Just want to put that. No, out that's there. fair. That's fair. I mean, look, I like Praz as a as a personality. He's always seemed like a good guy. You know. So here's another random hot take that I wanted to bring up to y'all because I'm not sure if you've heard it before. Praz claimed on on the Drink Champs episode that there was initially. So you guys know that that previously, um, Akon was in was in the Fuji's. He got arrested for carjacking and and he he went to jail. So he I did he was not know school. that. I know he's on this album. I did not know he was actually in the group. Right. He was supposed to be like, or maybe he was an affiliate or whatever. But apparently there was another girl in the Fugees, in the original um, incarnation of the Fugees, that Praz claims... Marcy? I don't, I don't know what her name was. But Praz claims this girl was better at rapping and better at singing than Lauren. And he said that the reason why she didn't persist to the final iteration of the group 
was because she wasn't dedicated. So like when they would try to meet up for studio sessions, she wouldn't show up. Like certain things where they ended up just being like, "I, right, you're, you know, you're not really taking this seriously. And she was like, yeah, I got other shit that's more important. And she kept it moving. What are y'all thoughts on that? I mean, I, yeah, I think the original incarnation of the group actually was Proswell, Lauren Hill, and this other woman. And then mm. is Proswell, is he related to, to Wyclef? Are they cousins? Related to Lauren. Yeah, they're cousins, right? Oh, him, oh, him, him and... Yeah, him and Wyclef are cousins. They're both okay. Haitian. And Lauren's the only one in the group that's not Haitian. Right, hold on. But There's he had actually, a connection to her too, right? Like Proz is the one that brought... Right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is he the one Lauren that brought Lauren and Proz first in? met at Columbia High School in New Jersey. Proz, Lauren, and a mutual friend, Marcy Harrell, Okay. Formed a mus- musical trio called Time. Proz's cousin, Wyclef John, joined the group, and Marcy's left soon after 1990. Okay. Marcy Harrell has her own damn... Yo, she has her own fucking Wikipedia page. Yo, we need to hear... Or I need to hear this girl, because he said she was better at singing and rapping than Lauren. Well, how in-depth is her Wikipedia page? <laughs> Yo, she's like, real talk. She's like she's, accomplished? Yeah. <laughs> she's oh, been yeah. in stage performances and shit. Oh, she's, um, like a, she's like a Broadway performer or something? Yo, she's got shit dating back to 1994. Yeah, they got a picture of her up and everything. Yo, Wait, where did she has a leg- <laughs> Oh, and she was go, in. Go to the she Fugees, was on in the Heights. Go to the Fuji's Wikipedia and okay. then look at the formation, and you will see Marcy Harrio. She's in the Lin Manuel uh, Miranda universe. Yo, she's, she's got a. She's good. She's good. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Well, yeah. that's what's up. I'm glad to see that she. You know. She's doing something. She was on TV. She? she was in films. Well, yeah. Maybe that's why she yeah. wasn't trying to record with these bum ass niggas in somebody's basement. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, fuck y'all. I'm going, going with Lynn Manuel Miranda. I'm about to be in Hamilton. Fuck y'all. <laughs> so here's the thing. Right, I so. here's here's my response to that. That mm-hmm. I can see that. Lauren wasn't a great rapper on the first Fuji's album. Mm-hmm. She wasn't bad, but you can, like I said earlier, like on on Nappy Heads, she kind of sounded like buckshot to me the way her flow and everything was going like she sounded right it, that album that album is not really a good album it's not an easy listen because nobody's really that good on that album mm-hmm. lauren got better over time like by the time you get to the score i mean it's just a completely different ball game like i need to hear the woman that's better than than zealots lauren hill right you know what i mean right. because that that person is well clearly this other woman if it if it is her she's doing just fine right but you know, like that person is missing from hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to ask my question that I asked, that I posed in the text. Okay. okay. Which is, do you think Lauren Hill is punching above her weight on this album? Lyric as an MC? No. Because here's the thing, like you said, on Blended Reality, she's not that good. I mean, she's not terrible, but she's not great. And really thinking about what she did on Miss Education of Lauryn Hill as an MC, with the exception of Lost Ones, and only because that's kind of like a low-key diss track, none of her verses are anywhere False. near as good as they are on the score. Everything is everything. There's literally maybe one verse on here that that's close to, I begat this, flip it in the ghetto on a dirty mattress, you can't match this rapper slash actress. Bro, nah. <laughs> she that's evolved, like one bar. She that's like one bar as Dude, an she, MC. I don't to, know, to, man. To on, that, on that album. Final Hour? I mean, Final Hour is fine, but it's nothing compared to, to these. Um, uh, Doo-Wop That Thing? Not as but good as the lyrics on this. calls for that. Like, right. for instance, the score is basically straight hip-hop right. album. Like, they're not rapping about much of anything aside from why they're shit. better than everybody else. Yeah, I'm, just, just, I'm just curious. This is a 90s no, she, hip-hop but she album. Bodies this, she bodies this, this album lyrically. And I'm but just that's curious, the point. Like, I don't... 
I, I'm curious if this is like the best we've ever heard from her lyrically, because I can't remember what else I, anything else I have heard this this near as good as is her. I think she was much right, more so refined as an MC on the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. I think as Panama was saying, what what was called for to create a great album for Miseducation was not rapidy rapidy hippity hoppity like she was doing on the score, because that's what the aesthetic was of the score. Yo, I'm just saying lyrically though, and some of the bars she's putting together. I'm not necessarily talking about the cadences. I'm just talking about some of the bars. It's like holy shit. But I think that, but I, I think that's intentional. So, uh, for instance, okay, on. I mean, this is a highlight for me. Zealots is an absolute highlight, and because Lauren's verse is perfect, like I I actually am gonna say that is a ten out of ten verse. Mm It is my favorite. It is one of my favorite verses in hip hop. It has why don't my you, favorite why don't you just, bar. Why don't you just spit the bar that we all know you love? <laughs> and even after all my logic and my theory, I add a motherfucker so you ignorant niggas hear me. Dude, that is one of the most perfect encapsulations of like an ethos ever. I Yo, love that look, shit. Everything that comes before that is also fire. No, but, but so, so that's what I'm saying. But it's also a song just about everybody else. Right. Like, Getting on the bandwagon, like trying, like or, yeah. or being like, hey, like this whole album is basically a hip hop album where I can imagine this is a, oh, I'm trying to outrap everybody, like right. I'm, I'm here to spit. That Cowboys record, like come on, Ooh. like it's a bunch of spitters in a room exactly. and they all going for it. You know what exactly. I'm saying? The only Ole. people that don't belong there are like Wyclef and Praz, like as you know, they're not, they're going for it is just different than Lauren going for it. <laughs> Miseducation, yeah. on the other hand, is a thematic album. Yep. Exactly. It's okay. more important to land the sentiment than yep. it is to land the bar a certain way. Like right. it's more important to okay. get the idea across. So you don't need to do that. You know, and it, and I don't even, I don't even think that album would really fit like a hippity hip, you know, like the right. that I don't know I don't know where on that album would fit the need to go all like I need my respect as a rapper. I agree. And that's why I feel like everything is everything was so dope because it was like she gave herself enough latitude to just say whatever the fuck she wanted to. And then she just jumped out the gym with, with her raps, right? Like, like, I feel like Lauren, she she's just showing you that she still had that gear. But at the same time, okay. like, miseducation, she wasn't out here trying to yeah. go for it like that in the same way. And let me say this. I know that it's easy to kind of, like, shit on Lauren now. Like, it's just, it's I almost oh just part God. of how you, <laughs> it's, it's just a part of the, the Lauren combo, right? Like, right. she's late for everything. She don't pay taxes. She don't believe in time. <laughs> like, has, has she become she, a meme yet? She, yeah, of course she has. I mean, she's Basically, you know, like man. she's a punching, she's a punchline at this point. Mm. And I hate that because it obscures just how big of a yeah. star she really was, yeah. and how talented she actually was, and how good she was at what she did. Mm-hmm. And the score is like, the score illustrates how good she actually was at this rap shit yeah like she literally was as good as you could get yeah but in a mm-hmm. in a in a in a woman who was coming for dudes next like she was the woman who got respect at, from the dudes right, right. but she's also yeah. gorgeous and now she can act and she can sing like right. there's nothing she can't do yeah. and then the grammy performance like you see her it's like my god like this is literally the best that you can get yeah and that's what I hate about the Lauren legacy and all the other stuff that's happened because it makes it easy to forget. It makes it so that people think of her as a punchline yep. as opposed to the supernova that she was in 96, in 97, in 98. Mm-hmm. You know, like how large. I mean, 
when when Miss Education comes out, she does, you know, she's making her, she's doing her 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 rounds in the country, like stopping in malls, doing concerts and shit. There was like thousands of people standing in line at different malls in Atlanta just to get her her autograph. I was one of those people. You know, like I went to North Lake Mall to stand in line for hours just to get her autograph on my my album cover, my album jacket, uh, CD CD booklet. I'm sorry. Like that's the kind of person Lauren Hill was. That would never happen nowadays. But that's who Lauren Hill was, and I hate. She's such a highlight on this album in particular. Everything she her dude. When she comes in on Ready or Not, the song changes. Oh my God. Like her vocals are so insanely beautiful. It changes everything. Even even on the song that I think is overrated, Killing Me Softly, she still her vocally is so good. It's almost her and Rod Digger. She comes on these. Oh my God. Her and Rod Digger going back and forth. I want a whole song of that. Like they sounded perfect going back and forth. My style is perhaps one of the foul. Like, oh my! Like they were so good together. Here's another another hot take um, uh, that I have uh, on the album. Um, Lauren kind of bit um, Rod Digger and the Outsider's style on the mask. If you listen to the way she raps, um, the Outsiders, and, and you, you'll hear it. Go back and listen to Cowboys, and then listen to the mask. Right? The the Outsiders were known for like this style where like. They rap where it's almost like two tracks. So it's like it's like a call and response within your same verse. So you're like, my rhymes are like something, something, something. Oh, something, something. It's almost like you're talking and then answering yourself, right? Like, like that's always been Rodiga and the Outsiders style. Like, I think Young Z probably invented that style and then, you know, the rest of the Outsiders all incorporated it. But she sounds like Rodiga on The Mask to me. Interesting. I can dig okay. that. Yeah. But yeah, Zealous is a highlight. I'm not as familiar me, with Rodiga until she gets to flip mode. Obviously, I know her on this track, but I'm, I can't say I've listened to the, the Outsiders like that. Yo, so. she said, I, I, I read an interview with her where she said that basically Lauren like saved her life because they said that when they went to shoot the video for so first of all (laughs) the outsiders have been in jersey rapping on street corners for fucking 50 years right so they're just like a very well-known crew even eminem was was kind of tangentially around the outsiders crew you know back in the day so she was talking about how like they recorded with a lot of the people that they were affiliated with and they didn't know that that you know the fujis were going to blow up and be this huge group so you know, they recorded Cowboys and they just thought it was just some shit. Like, oh yeah, you know, we recorded some shit with our friends and they like kept it moving. And she didn't know, first she didn't know that it was going to make the album. And then when it did make the album, she didn't know that the album was obviously going to go like Diamond, right? So, you know, they they, they record it, 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 it starts to do well. And they say, we're going to record a video for, for Cowboys. So she said, if you go back and watch the video, she's four months pregnant in the video. Um, so she, they record the video and basically the, her being in that video greenlit her record deal. And she was talking about how like she was eight months pregnant and was like she had no job, didn't know how she was going to feed her kid. And basically, you know, they walked her into a room and was like, oh, you're the girl that was in, that was in that video with Lauren Hill. OK, sign right here. Sylvia Roan was like, yo, just sign like. And they just, you know, green, green lit her for that joint. So that, that was a really dope story. Dirty Harriet is an amazing album, by the way. It's it is a great underrated, underrated album. Underrated AF. For sure. For sure. So should we get into the other highlights of uh, this By album? the way, I'm sorry. I just highlights? wanted to make a point on Panama's uh, point. 
Dirty Harriet has the first appearance of Rock Marciano. If anybody is a fan of Rock Marciano, yeah, actually go back that. and listen. It's like a it's like a bonus cut, like inside of another cut where you're listening to it, and then Rock Marcy just starts rapping out of nowhere. So anyway, go back and listen to that. It's an Easter egg. Do uh, do we have any other overarching highlights? I mean, we are, we've already talked about some of the individual track highlights of this album. Uh, overarching highlights, I would say, and it's interesting because I, I feel like it's a highlight and I almost would say it's a bit of a low light to me just as a hip hop fan, but the hookiness and catchiness of the melodies and just the writing in general is like a highlight. Like they just yeah, do a sure. great job of creating like these just little tidbits. You call you call them tricks earlier, right? Like these little tidbits in every record that are so catchy that you just can't get them out of your head. And I, I, I like there's a talent to that, right? Like everybody can't do that. There absolutely is a talent to that. So that's a highlight. The um, yeah, a highlight is so this is a highlight and low light. Okay. The skits. Yes. One of those skits is cringy nowadays yep. in my 2021 ears. Oh my God. But they did that on the carnival too. Like they, they ran that whole thing out and it's <laughs> it's so racist now. But um But the the other skit that I really enjoy is the Michelle Leslie Brown from 225th Street to play ball by the play ball <laughs> in the park. I use that in so many articles that I write. Uh, when I'm talking about like another version of something, not that Michelle Lacey Brown from 225 to play Bonaparte. The other the Michelle Lacey Brown from 225 to play Bonaparte. Yo, since 1996, Michelle Leslie Brown has been famous. Like the, the, from 225 to play ball in the park. Me and my boys, even as teenagers, used to talk about Michelle Leslie Brown from 225 to play ball in the park. All the time. Never had seen any parts of New York City. Ain't know what none of that means or New Jersey, wherever that was. Right. But man, I love that. I love that sketch. That was super funny. Uh, another thing I'll say, and it's almost to piggyback on my last point. Um, they say that in this time frame, Lauren was like a jukebox. Like she could just walk around and she could just quote these hooks from, you know, these classic records. And that's where Killing Me Softly came from. They said that she would just randomly just, they throw a beat on and she would just sing that. Like, you know, and same with Ooh La La La, the, the Tina Marie joint, right? And so I feel like just the way they incorporated these records that we're all very familiar with and flipped them and modernized them, I think they just did a really, really excellent job of doing that. We killed Puffy for so, it a, a year or two later. <laughs> so, look, we, we talked about, you bring up Killing Me Softly, um, Panama. What, what is... Uh, Please explain your disdain for this song, Killing Me Softly. And is it is it fair criticism or are we being lazy by you saying that this song is boring? I mean, it's fair criticism to me. But um, so that's a that's, that's it, a throwback to our J. Cole episode. Right. right. It's funny. I only even discovered that I wrote that by Googling. <laughs> Trying to see if I'd written anything about the score. Yo, that's, I, like I found, I was like, "Yo, that's a flex, yo. This nigga's just out here googling." Himself. <laughs> I got so many platinum albums. Which one is one of them joints I did back in the but day? But you got to realize, like, we have written so many articles. Yeah. I mean, we've written thousands of articles that at this point, I genuinely have to Google to see if I've written something on something I might want to write tomorrow because I that's don't remember. Funny. So I was trying to see if I'd written some tribute to the score or something like that. And then, boom, this pops up. And I'm like, yeah, I still feel that way. Fuck that out. Fuck that song. <laughs> so here's the thing. 
I understand why people love Killing Me Softly. I think it's overrated okay. because it is such a basic ass song. Like it's the Bonita Applebaum drums right. or whatever the original sample is. It, it escapes me in the moment, but it's just, it's those drums for like the first, it's Lauren just singing a cover, mm -hmm. some drums, and then, you know, a light bass comes in and all, and then the best part, like I said in the article that I wrote is Wyclef singing one time, two times, like, <laughs> The song is so basic that I'm dumbfounded by how much people love this record. So I that's think why I think it, it's, I just I think it's overrated just because it's not it's not that compelling a piece of music in general. It just ends up being the song where Lauren Hill becomes Lauren. Yes. She goes from Lauren Hill to Lauren, and that takes the album out of here. So it becomes. It's like stuff becomes classic because everybody loves it, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, people love things and all of a sudden everybody loves it. I just wasn't one of the people that got swept up in the love for it. I still think it's boring. Like, even re-listening to the album, I wasn't, in, I didn't like it, but I'm like, I get it. It's, I it's like funny it. that you say that I because like I was it. reading an article uh, from the guy from Columbia Roughhouse uh, who was like, I don't know if he's the A&R on the album or he was like a, a, a label exec at the time. And they were saying that they were, you know, they were finishing this song to for it to be a single. And he said he he didn't want to greenlight the song because he felt that it was boring. Um, he said that he felt like it didn't build quickly enough. And he was saying that, you know, he, it, just Lauren's vocals just out there by themselves for, for such a long time before the beat drops. You know, he was like, at least bring in the bass and make the song build faster. And he said that Wyclef basically pulled his like executive producer card, like, and was like, "Look, like, it, it, we're either gonna have it this way, or you can't have the song," uh, because Wyclef really believed in, you know, just like the openness and sparseness of Lauren's voice by itself, um, and then you know the way that the song builds. And I really, really agree with his his executive producing. On I that. do, too. and I really think that like Lauren's naked vocal just almost just it, it almost just pierces your soul like i mean you just there's a certain feeling to to the way the record yeah. builds mm -hmm. i can buy that amazing it's simple <clears throat> but it's amazing here's why i have to disagree with you panama um i think for one i understand that they didn't write the song but these the lyrics to these song the song they are very good right just the idea that like you know, you've been dealing with some some something. You go out to see someone perform and they're singing like your life and you feel exposed and you feel vulnerable and like you feel anxious and you don't know what to do. Like that's something that I think a lot of people can relate to, right? This was my first time hearing the song. And when I've gone back to at least hear Roberta Flack's version, I'm not interested in that version <laughs> at all. I think to say that this song is boring is to basically say that you don't find... Lauren Hill's voice compelling because real talk this song doesn't need a beat her vocals are that I would have enjoyed it more without a beat I would have enjoyed it more That's as fair. a cover as a just straight cover with an acapella cover honestly and her but, layering but her voice that's what makes the song so good Oh, uh, you know, he, the crazy thing about this song, right? Um, there's a radio station uh, in the DC area the DMV area. It was Mix 107.3. Now I have no idea what the letters are now for 107.3 because i haven't listened to that station in a while but if you're familiar with D dc radio stations it'd almost be the equivalent of like wash fm now right 97.1 um 
but they played like a lot of like stuff from like the 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 seventies, eighties, and nineties. Music palatable for like the typical white American, mm-hmm. right? So good wholesome music, things like that. This song made that radio station rotation. Yeah. But the the funny thing about it is that um, they said like, oh, you know the. It's a hip hop group, but we've we've taken the hip hop element out of it. So this is like the non hip hop version. Took, and I remember even time, my mom two times out of it. Oh, hold on, I'll get to that. <laughs> even my mom, right? I love my mom to death, but she was like, "Oh, I, I like this non hip hop version." <laughs> and I remember at the time being furious because really all it was was they took out the they took out the ad libs. Yeah. That's all they did. <laughs> they took out Wyclef's ad libs um, and the whole like little. Uh, yo, Lauren, Lauren, you got the lyrics, do mm-hmm. do. Like they took out that part, Why? and that, that's pretty pretty much all it was. But nevertheless, like I think they did that shit across the fucking country mm. because I want to say, like, based off of the strength of this song alone, I mean, I want to say that this album sold like thirty seven million records all total, or or seventeen million something. It went crazy. It went. It sold more than yeah, it's ten million. Almost records. twenty. It's almost twenty. If I'm, if the last that I saw seven, was like almost seventeen, million, not thirty-seven. Yeah. Now 17. here's a, it. Did, um, it did. It did. numbers. Here's a two-part. A two-part question. Right. Uh, start with the the story. The story of the question, which is okay. So initially, right, that this song was a song called "Killing Them Softly." Right. Right. Um, it was a more hip hop version where they talked about whack MCs and the establishment and et cetera. I believe maybe the the little skit before the song where they're talking about killing a sound boy is probably the, an element of that, right? They right. went to clear, you know, the the use of the song and Roberta Flack's team, the people who wrote the song were like, no, you have to use the exact original lyrics or you can't use our song. So they went back and created this more, you know, mainstream and palatable record that had the initial, uh, the initial... And- uh, 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 lyrics. Wait, was it was it Roberta Flack? Because she didn't write the song. Well, she, no, she, she didn't Pam write the song. She, she said it was She did her. a cover. Roberta Flack is a cover of the original song. So it was the right. original songwriters that the, they went exactly. to that didn't clear it. Yeah. It, it was the original okay. songwriters. Yeah. So 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 the question is: one, do you think this song is or this album is anywhere near as as well sold and and popular as as it as it is today nope. if the original version of the song the kill killing them softly comes out and two does nope. panama like the song if killing them softly is the song <laughs> rather than killing me softly <laughs> well the answer to the first question is obviously no. This song no, makes yeah. the album. This song sells the album. This song is what they perform at the Grammys and everywhere else. Right. Um, this is the the one that wins them a Grammy. Um, two, probably not. The, the I wonder if it has the same the same beat mm. because the beat is what's boring to me with it. Like you're right. Mm. Like Lauren's vocals are amazing. Yeah, I would love to hear her on some of that. You know. 70s Atlantic Records, mm-hmm. you know, Jerry Wexler and Archman. Like, I'd love to hear some of that production behind her just, just singing, right? right? And I think that's kind of what she tried to do somewhat with Miseducation, like give you some mm-hmm. R&B-ish, just some whatever. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine if she and Salam just, did an yeah, album? Yeah, but I, I, think it, I think it works in the context of the, the entire album. Well, it obviously works. It, I'm the I'm the one yeah. who's wrong here. Like it clearly worked. Like yeah. everybody else loves this shit, but me. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not yeah, gonna need, I'm not I gonna argue. Sound bite. I'm the one who's yeah. wrong here. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to capture that. And, and I can live I'm with it. I can accept here. it. Like I I understand that I'm in the minority on this. Mm. But I the even listening to it now, like if I'm listening to this and I'm at a I'm at a club or something like that, the energy of everybody else will make it an enjoyable experience. 
listening to the song by itself, I'm inclined to skip it. That's fair. You know, and that's you. not to say that it's a skippable song. I'm inclined to skip. Y'all want to hear a funny story about Roberta Flack, though? Go for it. An exclusive. Exclusive. So, man, this is a, this is it's kind of a funny, stupid story. Y'all know I used to I used to be one of the managers at Live Nightclub. Live this was the that's, um, that's where that's where you and I met. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So live back, back when P was uh was rocking his uh his bandanas all yep. the time. I did. I had bandanas on all bandanas on all the time. <laughs> Funny story about that. I got mis I got mistaken by a drunk woman for Joel Santana one night. She followed me around. I can totally fucking see that shit all yo. night, all night long. It it got to the point where like security had to separate us because she was getting real un- really uncomfortable. She got mad at me for not wanting to go home with her. And she kept yelling like, "Joel, you not gonna come home?" It was it was a thing. It was like, "Yo, this is anyway." So, yo, at Liv, Liv had three different levels. (laughs) Bro, I have so many funny stories about (laughs) things that happened in that club. Like, I could probably write a book with with artists that you know, left and right people. I wanted to slap. Like artists, I got into actual physical altercations with all kind of stuff. But anyway. Which brings us to Roberta Flack. Okay. Hopefully not a physical altercation. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but on our mi- on our main floor was a restaurant called Mahogany. And the mm-hmm. basement Mahogany, is the, yeah. the, the world-famous Bohemian Caverns. Mm-hmm. Like a, a Caverns. classic jazz by... Um, right. It's on a National Historic Registry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Roberta Flack brought her nephew in at one point to do a show in the caverns. Roberta Flack obviously has connections to D.C. She went to Howard. Mm. Her and Donnie Hathaway met at Howard, all these other things. That's so right, Roberta right, Flack, right. Is, you know, she'd been in Bohemian Caverns back when it was, whatever, you know, back in its heyday. You know mm. what I mean? Back when Ramsey Lewis was recording Grammy Award winning albums and stuff like that. Mm. Well, in order to set up the night for Roberta Flack and her nephew, Roberta was just introducing him and going to sing lightly or whatever. And then, like, she wasn't doing a, a show show. Um... We had to set up in the restaurant like a space for her to and her and him to prepare for downstairs because you you all been in there. There's not a lot of space yeah. in in that in that venue, right? It's very short on space. We right. we did some miraculous things in that building, considering <laughs> how little we had to work with at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in there setting up a, a keyboard for them. I think it was a Korg Triton, which is one <laughs> of them funny references to a little brother skit. I set up I set up the I set up the Korg whatever. And she comes in, mind you, I'm excited because it's Roberta Flack. Like, I love Roberta Flack. Like, Roberta Flack and Donnie Hathaway are like, oh, my God. She comes in. I'm like, hello, big fan. Completely ignores me. What is this? What is this setup over here? I was like, excuse me? Oh, I, I set up as you all requested. Specifically, I set up blah, blah, blah. This is what I want. I need you. No, she didn't say I need you. Go do something different. Go blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm like. I'm sorry. We seem to have gotten off on the wrong foot. I did what you asked me to do. You have a problem with it. That is your problem. And your attitude <laughs> makes me not want to do this for you. I, I, I appreciate you, Panama. Dude. So we get into a shouting match. I'm like, in, in, in the back of my mind, this becomes funny. I'm like, I'm actually yelling at Roberta Flack. Like, my mom's never going to believe this. Like, this is going to be, this is awesome. But professionally, I'm arguing with Roberta Flack because she's being, to me, unreasonable mm-hmm. about something that I did specifically, like, for to the specifications they asked for. So we're yelling at each other. The 
owner has to come in and separate, kind of like, you know, P, just go do something else. Don't worry about it. I got it, I got it. And I'm just like, I was like, man. Is that O? Yeah, of course. Of course. Oh, right. o, o had to step in in many, many of my altercations with artists because I have a very <laughs> short fuse with artists and it wasn't my establishment. So the owner of an establishment obviously would view it much differently than I, who was annoyed by unreasonable demands and requests by artists. Anyway, long story short, got to an argument with Roberta Flack about some nonsense that was her fault in Live Nightclub or Mahogany. I got a chance to yell at Roberta Flack. She probably don't remember because I can't be the first person to yell at her. But, you know, either way. Short Roberta Flack story. That's funny. She tried to kill me softly. Anyway, I appreciate that. So uh, let me so, let me throw one more highlight on on the on the on the top before we uh we 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 trail off. Um, I always like my runs, and I feel like this album for me has a run, which y'all may disagree with my run, but my run starts at Ready or Not, and it ends at the score. So Ready or Not, Zealots, The Beast, okay. Fuji Law, Family Business, Killing Me Softly, and the score. Like I like that run. And I think that it's it's very well sequenced. Um, I think most specifically, one of the choices that I really like is like, um, you know, the beast kind of doesn't really have a hook. And so I thought it was interesting that they kind of sandwiched it between Zealots and, and Fuji La because they kind of have like so much melody. And then it's like a really straightforward record. And I feel like they did that well, like in terms of throughout the album, they did a good job of like sandwiching the records that were kind of more straightforward hip hop records between or around records that had like a whole lot of melody and personality if if there's a run that's probably it i would shorten it i would stop at i i I would go from ready or not to fuji la like those four songs the difference in those songs the Mm -hmm. the variance in the way that they're constructed and how like the samples are done differently and how music like Mm -hmm. the beast is such an interesting sound sample like it's just It's oh my god, it's so crazy what they do for the beast. The drums are so crazy on Ready or Not. Mm-hmm. Zealous is like a perfect sample of the Flamingos. I only have eyes for you. One of my favorite songs ever. <laughs> like, um, you know, Ready or Not to Zealots to The Beast to Fuji La. Like that, f- those four songs. So for me, that that is a run. Yeah, uh, I would just stop there. But I, I have no problem with going all the way through this. I don't love Family Business as much. Mm-hmm. For it to follow Fuji Law in the in the way that I'd be like, yeah, this is just a continuation but of that. But see, that's a great example of it, it's sandwiched right between Fuji Law and Killing Me Softly. So it's like I get this like kind of posse cut situation. I love John Forte. I get a Forte verse. You know what I'm saying? And then it goes straight into Killing Me Softly, which is more melody for me. You know? Yeah, I can I can dig that. My unpopular opinion that that tail that dovetails that is. Um, I never really loved How Many Mics. And I feel like people, everybody I know loves that song. And I just, for me, it just, it, it never really did it for me. I never really understood why the, the choice to make it the first song. Uh, because it always just felt like a freestyle cypher. Yo, it's me and a few of my homies. We just we just talking shit. We just rapping over something. And we, we put a little hook there. Right? And so, um, I... I, like I almost feel like it should have been a skit like later on in the album or something like that. Like if they had come out the gate with Ready or Not, I'd have been like, "Oh, these motherfuckers mm. are serious." I like how many mics as an opening record because Ready or Not would come in too. Ready or Not would just come in too hot. 
Mm. Like you go straight to the banger, like yeah. to to a single, like as your as the first one, unless the rest of the album is singles, mm. and it's not. Like I think how many mics kind of warms you up into it. Like it's kind of the slow. It's kind of the yeah. DJ who's playing at ten thirty, <laughs> as opposed to the one who's at at midnight. You know what right, I mean? Right. Right. I feel like the only but, thing that I gain yeah. from how many mics is it gives me an idea of the personalities of the MCs. Right. I'm like, okay, Lauren's gonna come in here and rip my head off. Um, you know, Wyclef's gonna like kind of be like a little funny and tell me a little story, and Proz is gonna suck. Like I, I know already, and then I go go into the album and I know what to expect from these MCs. I like the hook though. I like how many mics do? Because I used to say oh, that. Yeah, we used to yeah, say yeah. that, and we we would say that it was kind of like a, a for the freestyles, like the jokey freestyle. It was kind of mm-hmm. an open. How many mics do we rip on the daily? Many money. Send me, send me, many, many. It was a good way. It was a good way for somebody to pick up. You know, it's a good way to transition between in 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 the cipher for the people rapping. You know what I mean? Like it was it was a fun way to do it. Um, you know, it's interesting for me when I when we talk about like runs on the album. Um, I actually kind of break this al- album out into like like thirds. Okay. Um, and so the runs actually kind of come back to back. So for me, you know, it's from how many mics to um to the beast, okay. and then it goes Fuji La to killing kill me softly, and then the score to cowboys um and i know that like those all come back to back but like you know i'm not a big fan of no women no cry i do like manifest and i do love the sly and robbie remix to fuji la but um it's weird because i'm not a big fan of how many mics either except lauren hill is incredible so that makes that song very easy for me to listen to um what what i want to say about this album and you know I'm not even sure if we're going to get into individual track for track highlights. We've been talking about this album for a while, so there's, there's no use at this point. But what I will say is that, you know, when I was a kid, the songs that I really, really liked were the ones that I was most familiar with. So that would be How Many Mics, Ready or Not, Fuji La, Kill Me Softly, right. um, and No Woman No Cry, right? And now it's like, you know, the songs that are most interesting to me, like Zealots is incredible. Panama's already talked about that ad nauseum. The Beast, I mean, I fucking love The Beast. I was, I was like, holy yeah. shit, like, I, it's just a crazy song, mm-hmm. right? Family Business, um, I don't think about it on the level of, of those other ones, but that's still, you know, I, I like the hook on it. I love The Mask. I love The Mask. Um, and Cowboys, holy shit, like, Cowboys is yeah. crazy. And these are the songs that I think now are kind of the ones that are, like, are more interesting to me. And I think that part of that has to do with the fact that I've, I've heard those other songs so many mm-hmm. times. And now I'm coming back and listening to to them as an adult. And even though I've listened to this album, you know, throughout the years, I think even now, like, you know, my understanding of music, even within the last five years, I think personally has improved. Uh, you know, I think I've grown. I think my, my ears have even matured. And now to go back to listen to, to other parts of this album that I didn't really appreciate before, just make me just like, I don't know. I'm just kind of just like amazed. And I just marvel at what they were able to accomplish. And that's why I think that in many ways, this album kind of supersedes or or is more than a hip hop album. And I think that that's not to, to knock hip hop. And that's not to say that hip hop has to be contained. But I think that there are some, some projects across every single genre that are so good that the genre is irrelevant. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that this actually is potentially one of those albums you know what i mean like so, so, so for example right i love only built for cuban links raekwon but i don't think that that album's um um transcends genre. you know goes be yeah i don't think it transcends transcends hip-hop yeah, music I agree. you know what i mean so i think this album potentially does 
I will say one of the things uh, that, well, you know, you talked about going back and listening to, to the record. When I went back and listened, the holy shit moment that I had was listening to Manifest again and being like, yeah. is is Lauren like taking Wyclef to task yes. on this motherfucker? Yes. I was going to bring that up. I thought about that, that too. I thought about <laughs> that, that gotta too. Be, that is absolutely about Wyclef. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, wow, this is like a precursor to the miseducation. Like... But yeah, she was she was she was killing him, and then it, and then it took me back to um, a previous interview with Praz that I had read about where he talked about Ready or Not and how in the recording session of Ready or Not, supposedly Wyclef had just broken it off with with Lauren, and she was in the booth crying when she sang the song, and that's why her voice sounds like that on the record. Um, it's a random anecdote, but yeah, man, it's an interesting run album wise, right? So you go from the score to. Um the carnival which is damn near all about lauren every song about relationships is about lauren so you go for manifest which is clearly about about um wyclef right in their relationship and then you go from there to the carnival where i mean there's like six or seven songs that are about relationships mm -hmm. and you know to all the girls like all the cheat all these songs you know anything can happen like there's these songs that are clearly about the relationship with in retrospect mm -hmm. and then you get the men's education which basically is all you know all about the relationship with right with Wyclef so it's the going knowing what we know now about their relationship <laughs> right. and kind of listening to some of these songs and and kind of seeing how they fit together like the chemistry was so strong yeah. on the score yeah. like even if even w despite the criticisms I have, like they, the the chemistry exists. It was there, you know what I mean. Like it just worked. Like whatever whatever needs to happen to make you feel like this is an album that everybody's in sync exists here. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also no surprise, knowing what we know now, that you get the miseducation and then everything falls apart. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. you know, like things fall apart. Basically, um, <laughs> what I did want to say, I wanted to add it add something interesting about this album and the singles. Fuji Law is the first single. That video was extremely grainy. It was like an independent film. Mm -hmm. It was, they shot, I don't know where they shot that. I can't remember where they shot that, but you know, it even sounds different than the rest of the song. You can tell it's produced mm -hmm. by somebody else. Like you mm -hmm. can tell Salam did that production or at least that somebody else did it. Killing Me Softly. There's nothing special about that video. Just the performance video, just them in the theater or whatever. Ready or not is a big budget video. Like that joint had the helicopters and it had like oh, the yeah. it's like a movie. Yeah. Like you can tell the album is doing really well because by the time they get to to, to ready or not, single. they that's like a million dollar video. Facts. You know, they're on water, you know, they have the like the spy camera kind of stuff. Like it's a it's a whole it's a whole setup and whole thing that they're doing. And I'm guess I'm wondering they were seeing the returns on this album after Killing Me Softly drops in May, because Ready or Not comes out as a single later on in the year after they didn't already probably sold millions of records. So they're yeah. like, oh, we got a little money to spend over here. <laughs> What's your wildest idea of a video? Yeah. And they were like, you know what? We just gonna be some spies. We're gonna be out in the, out in the ocean. Well, what wasn't I mean, it like them trying to play on the whole like we're refugees and the government's trying to get us and you know it's almost like their version of hypnotize right like it's like you know or I mean did 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 their the, the video came out around the same time right I don't remember who yep. produced it price tag of one point three million according to the Jeez. world's most accurate website um, mm. this says the music video this is on Wikipedia was directed by Marcus Nispel 
Vibe reports that it helped usher in the era of bank-breaking movie-like hip-hop videos. The video featured helicopters, explosions, sharks, chase scenes, and a price tag of $1.3 million. Wow. So here's a here's a question. Um, and it, it's kind of it's kind of a piece of 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 something that Panama previously said and a piece of of kind of a question that Andrew uh, you know, constantly asks. But but <laughs> would we would would can we say that Lauren Hill needs a muse? Because you yeah. remember when you made that 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 so so Panama's previously made the the argument that you know Ice Cube kind of needs a muse and if he doesn't have someone to kind of punch at he yep. he doesn't really have anything to rap like we're not we're not interested and and, and you look too. At, and you look at Lauren right so Lauren's muse is obviously you know it, it's it's Wyclef on both the score and the miseducation of Lauren Hill right and then their their entire relationship falls off the tracks it becomes public he's like nah i'm staying with my wife whatever right and then from that point on we never really get anything creatively of that level or caliber from lauren do you think it's a muse issue or something else okay so i know somebody who went to who to college with her okay. um she she went to columbia university for like a semester or two right something like that yeah yeah something yeah, like that yeah and i know <clears throat> I know someone who went to college with her and remembers just like kicking with her, like okay. you know, on on the steps in Columbia, up, up in up in uh, up in Harlem and whatnot, right? Uh-huh. And he was just like, "Look, you know, Lauren Hill is just like a a, a good girl from the suburbs, mm-hmm. who yeah, she's down with like this street shit from like in the same way that I would be, mm-hmm. but like in terms of or or down with a lot of this like really really um, black and like." I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but like, like woke or something. Yeah, like at that time, mm-hmm. like she was she was down with it, but didn't necessarily understand. Like, wasn't necessarily from that. Okay. And then when she got with the Marleys, they completely just that whole shit just completely fucked up her head. And yeah, now I mean that's speculation. Mm. Who knows? I I might even cut this out, but I mean that's pretty much what he was saying. Yeah, but is like, that he's like yeah, like she just wasn't. No, but like but that, how does that's that what impact it was. your creative brain, though? Right, like let's say that's true, right? And she just got digmatized, and then you know she became like wanted to be a Marley, right? Like she's still one of the foremost talents that we have in music, right? So like, how does how do we still get no more output on that level ever again from her? All right, we also talked about how Tupac couldn't couldn't handle the pressure of being Tupac, right? I think we talked about that on the I, mean, I mentioned the Lauren Hill as Tupac, basically. I actually made that that comparison. Mm. A very oh, did, similar so comparison. you did the same that, thing. So, so we're, that, yep, yep. But like most artists, right? Even if you think of someone like I just, Diego Maradona passed away last mm-hmm. month or November or something yep. like that. And it made me go back and watch his, watch his documentary. Mm-hmm. And even though I personally think that Pele is actually a more talented uh, footballer, mm-hmm. Nevertheless, like Pele did not accomplish some of the things that Maradona did. And nevertheless, Maradona is a much more beloved figure. Mm. So like he's much more of a god than Pele. And the height at which Maradona reached, he couldn't sustain that. And he kind of just fell apart. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that some of our artists, there's some people like they can reach that height and things just fall apart. I mean, you know, Mike Tyson fell apart. Michael Jordan didn't fall apart, but Michael Jordan also had to take a break from the sport for two years or like 18 months. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it, the shit happens. 
I think that Lauren Hill is just no different. Like sometimes these truly, truly amazing geniuses just can't sustain that. Yeah. Look at fucking D'Angelo, right? Shit fell apart. It happens. Yeah, I um, I I have a very similar idea about that. Like I don't I don't know that I think she needs a muse. A muse probably helps, mm. right? I think for almost any creative, right. a muse helps. Like you're you're an artist. It probably helps if you have something that's inspiring, whatever it is that you're doing, right? I'm like that too. Like even writing, like something, the the best piece I've ever written or something when something hits me immediately and I'm like, oh, that's it. I got it. Like that just, yeah, it just works. You know what I mean? I can't imagine getting to going from Lauren Hill to being Lauren that quickly and having to sustain it in such a way where you have to put out like there's almost no way to top miseducation commercially critically what do you even do at that point you know what i mean like the pressure on your record label wants another one even though i saw i don't know if you all posted that or something somebody was yeah, like yeah i posted that the record label didn't want to give me re- whatever said the like, record what? label didn't want it. it's like come on son that's not true whatever there's no way in hell a, a record <laughs> right. company a, a, a business doesn't want to make more money with right. a cash cow of an artist <laughs> like lauren hill but i can't imagine trying to go into the lab and thinking what can i make what do i do now right you what can only can pivot entirely. Yeah, like right. you only the only thing you can do is pivot entirely. And even then you still that, gotta have something to pivot to. And that's why you what gotta you give pivot it to. That's why you gotta give it to like a Kanye who just like reinvents himself on every project, right? Because it's like what you know, once you make uh, you know, uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, it's like, are you gonna go in and make my beautiful tw- dark twisted fantasy t- part two? You know what I mean? So it's like it's almost like smarter too like you said like you would have to just pivot do something totally different but he and jordan are egomaniacs right so i think Mm -hmm. the muse that they're their own muses right like (laughs) jordan created enemies out of anything that's why that that, the whole and i took that personally (laughs) meme is so funny right like he could literally create a villain out of anything (laughs) in anybody in the moment when he needed it right do you remember the the, the washington uh, wizards uh story I mean, I saw it in the last day. Yeah, it's in the last day. Remember when it happened? There was like like a whole this whole situation where like he he claimed that like this this uh, bench warmer on the Wizards like had said something about him or something, and then he he went and dropped like fifty something on him. The person doesn't even exist. Years later, yeah, it was like that never happened. Like he just made it up in his head. (laughs) But that's I mean, to me, that's kind of the same. You know, like that's the same thing with Kanye. Kanye doesn't need us to judge him he feels the world is judging him period he's he's mm. entirely about himself he lives 100 percent right. in his own brain right so he's always competing with himself now when when he's lucky enough to have the world hate him then he goes out and creates great more, art at maybe. the same time right, right? it's right. just but i don't think he needs i don't think he needs yeah. it i don't even know if i think lauren needed i think lauren just was no my Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is going to go down as one of the greatest albums in music history, I think. Debatable, but I, in my head, I think it will. No, it's fine. it's fine. Miseducation is lauded higher than that. It's viewed in a yeah. completely different way. It is viewed yeah. as a societal change. It's like a, it's, it's, it's societal. It's, yeah. you could do classes on this album. You could do classes on yeah. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, but it's not the same kind of class. Right. You, you know, and this is, this is a woman doing this. This is a woman breaking that ceiling and it, establishing that it doesn't exist like 
she had pressures from every angle. She's a black yeah. woman at that. She's, yeah. you know, a dark-skinned black woman at that. She's, you know, she's educated. She's from the suburbs. Like, she has all these things coming at her. I can't imagine what it feels like to be one of the most famous people probably at that time, at least in America. Um, one of the most respected musicians at the time. One of the whatever, like all the all the things, she is those. I just don't know what you do. And I'm not entirely surprised that she bent under that pressure. Some people don't. Like Jordan wouldn't because Jordan would be able to find a way to, he has the other gear in him. You know what I mean? Right. Kanye, but Kanye cracked. Kanye is broken a million different ways. You know what I'm saying? Like this dude is, Michael Jackson broken a million different ways. Like Beyonce hasn't seemed to break in a million different ways, but Beyonce never put all of herself out there either, right? Yeah, that's true. This more personal life Beyonce is newer than than her whole career right so you know jay-z's a rapper but you know that his whole thing is swag and being above and above the fray and all that stuff but the madonnas of the world like all these people that's where she hit that's the that's the air she was in Mm. and almost all of them had some kind of difficulty in that space so i don't know if a muse would have helped i think it was just she was too big like it's hard being a supernova yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. That makes sense. Well, do you guys have any other thoughts about this album? Because I mean we've been I don't know, I feel like we covered a lot. We did, man. I just think it's a it's a great album. I feel like of the three of us, I'm probably the person who loves this album the least. And really? I and I okay. can still say that this is one of the greatest uh albums. So that's that's okay. that's a lot to say. Yeah, I mean, I love this album back in the day, and I think I enjoy it even more now. I mean, because like a song like The Mask, I didn't like The Mask back in the day. And I listen to it now, and like, especially like when it gets into the hook, and they've got this whole like, I don't know what kind of sound that's coming into that. I don't know if it's like a guitar that they've warped or done something, right. but I'm just like, wow, like this is just like crazy. And the concept of The Mask is really good too, you know, thematically. I, yeah. I, I, like, I, like, I like a lot of the things on this album. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to talk about, though, you, you mentioned the skits mm-hmm. and uh, you mentioned like how they're taking shots at Wu-Tang and it definitely does. It seems like they when they start like making fun of some of the names, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a five percenter name. Yeah. And this is definitely a very Christian, a Judeo-Christian album. Right. If I'm, it, it sounds like it. And there's like there's one skit where it's almost the exact same skit as like the um the can it be be that it was also simple skit. Right. Where he's like, oh, son, yo, yo I got shot son, yeah. or something like that. And it's like. Yo, they're definitely taking shots at it. It seems like a yeah. 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 Uh, Panama, closing thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing that I took away from re-listening to this album, which I, I listen to every so often, like I listen to Zealots often because I just love that song. So it's on many of my playlists. But going back and listening to the whole album in totality, I'm just reminded of how special Italian Lauren was. Like, that's just the yes. thing that stands out above yeah. all. Like, Every song I'm listening to, like, we were very lucky to have gotten what we got out of her on this album. And I like this album. I don't love Miseducation. I've said that before. It's not one of my favorite albums. I understand and respect what it is, but it's not one of my favorite albums. What she did on this album, though, impresses me now. Like, there are times when I go back and listen to, like, Biggie records, and I still get impressed by his lyricism. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm... Listening to a song I've listened to a hundred times, I'm still impressed by what he did. Like, kicking the door impresses me. You know what I'm saying? Like, the way he rides the beat. 
when every I time I hear ready or not, it, I'm impressed every time. Dude, I was just going to say that, that when I listen to that again, I'm just like, man, like vocally, every time I hear the clarity of thought in her verses in the way from where she starts to where she ends and the how she got there, um, impressed impressed with the back and forth with raw digger i'm impressed with her singing i'm 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 just impressed with her even now and overall like i am thankful that we got lauren hill we the lauren hill that we got was apex lauren hill (laughs) you know what i mean so even if we don't have we didn't get anything else from her even if this is all we got we literally i think got some of the best we could possibly get from lauren and hip-hop was better for it uh, we still talking about the miseducation 20 years later, like it still matters. Um, we still care about Lauren, which is why we joke so much about what we don't get from her, because there's yeah. still this belief that there's something there that she has to offer the world. And to me, yeah. it starts back here on the score. And I will. I just I just appreciate what she brought to the table because this nigga yeah. was the table. She brought the table to the table. She's on my mini Rushmore uh, Biggie's on my mini Rushmore, and you know, and I I make the same argument for the two of them when I get shouted down. Um, I went into a clubhouse room where somebody was taking Lauren Hill to task, hmm. and I, I I started listening to the dude and realized he must have been a solid seventeen years old. So I was like, you know what? I'm not even gonna comment. I'm just gonna exit the room swiftly. But you know, he was like, yeah, you know, I don't even know why people keep saying this. This woman's so great. She only has one album. Um, you know, she blah 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 blah. And I would posit that she has two albums. <laughs> I would posit she has two classics, and this is this is a Lauryn Hill album, and uh, the Miseducation is also a Lauryn Hill album that is a classic. Uh, Biggie had two classic albums when he was alive as well, and the two of them are two of my favorite MCs. So that's all I got. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else to add. I think you guys close it out well. So Panama, as always, thank you for joining us. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I always always enjoy it. All right, y'all. That should do it for our, our 25-year tribute for the sophomore album for the Fuji's The Score. Uh, yeah. Peace. Peace. Hear me, you remember take notes, cause I sold my rap oats, before you biting zealots, here's